0: Hello, and welcome to First Draft for the month of February. How did that happen already? (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) I am Alexis Ann, your host today, and I am only being joined, I am so sad about this, by Julia Kelly.
1: I know, we're down a member. We
0: are, we're down a member for this episode and for the next episode, but we are gearing up to bring in a lot of fun guests this year, so there's going to be a lot of other fun stuff. Going on, and hopefully, Julia and I have a really, you know, fun, intimate conversation today since you know Mary Chris won't be interrupting us constantly.
1: <laughs> right, because that's what Mary Chris always does is just interrupt constantly and be <sighs> oh, annoying. She's, she's the such... loveliest person.
0: <laughs> that's just why this was obviously funny, guys. Okay, sorry, my sarcasm. Yeah, we love
1: you very know. we do miss you very much.
0: So I guess I'll I'll kick off real quick just saying, hi, I'm Alexis Anne, I write Contemporary and Erotic Romance, and my drink of the month in my pretty first draft coffee mug that I love so much is just coffee with cream. I don't take it black, Um, just a little bit of cream, no sugar.
1: It was one of the most important things to learn when we started rooming together conferences.
0: (laughs) Yes, everyone has to know my coffee orders in the event that I am so tired in the morning that I can't get out of bed and they have to get me coffee.
1: (laughs) Yep. That is true, or you need to pick me up during like a conference workshop session, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Important.
0: You hit the 2 o'clock, oh, I can't go on, and Julia's like, no worries, (laughs) I will be right back. (laughs) On it. (laughs) So what are you drinking today?
1: So I, I'm Julia Kelly and Julia Blake, um, and I write all the things in the land. Um, I am drinking the Sandbrook Brewery Wandle, which is a um, beer out here. I like this brewery a lot. They're based out of Battersea and brewed in London. And they're actually not too far away from my place of day job business. So I think I'm going to head over there one of these days. They have an open kind of like tasting room type of thing. So. That is my drink today. We were laughing before the, the podcast recording because usually I'm we're recording this earlier in the day and you know, we're either holding up beers that we're not actually drinking or, you know, one of us is drinking tea or coffee or something like that. And this time I actually have a beer that I'm actually drinking and it's pretty exciting.
0: Yes. And I like that bottle a lot. It's really pretty. It's
1: pretty, isn't it? Yeah. It's kinda it's kinda striking. I don't know.
0: I love blue. So I'm always just like <gasps>
1: Yeah, it's really for people who are on the audio recording. It's basically like a blue um, mill wheel and a, and a big, you know, graphic thing. So anyway, yeah.
0: yeah. So just a little backstory on the on the drinking. So when we first started First Draft, many many moons <laughs> <A> ago, backstory <laughs> <about the> drinking, <laughs> uh, we were all recorded live. Um, Mm -hmm. online uh, through a service that was a live broadcast service back in the day and so it was evening time and we all had a drink because we all like to talk about writing and books and drinking and so that was natural.
1: And we were all in the same time zone, too, at the time. That really was helpful.
0: The really big key here is we are no longer all in the same time zone. So sometimes we're recording at crazy times and we still want to have our drink on the show every day because it's first draft. But yeah, so that's the backstory on why sometimes we are drinking and sometimes we are pretend drinking.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Just to catch everybody up.
0: So now that we're all on the same page, let's get to today's topic, which is building characters. We're going back to a craft series. We've done a bunch of business side of the things for a little bit now. So we are doing a new series on craft focusing on our characters. And today we are discussing the art of building a character. As Julia said right before the show, you just write them and write them and write them until they become something.
1: (laughs) <laughs> sometimes that's actually what I do uh, I try not to do that on a regular basis though because it can be very stressful
0: yes 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 um, because for me the stress is in having written pages and pages and pages of stuff that you cannot use and it's yes. physically painful to just yes. either delete it all or flush it down the drain or put it in that folder that you know you're never gonna open again even though you can't bear your <laughs> bear the thought of deleting it
1: Yeah, that is painful, and I've done that several times, especially when I was first starting out.
0: I still do it occasionally, especially if I've Mm -hmm. not been writing, which was just what happened recently, was I took a couple months off from writing, so getting back into writing, it was, why do I not know what this character is thinking and feeling yet, (laughs) and why did I just write five pages about her drinking coffee? But that's how you get to know a character sometimes, and I prefer to not build a character in that way, but... You know what? It's a crutch you can use when you need it.
1: Yeah, but hopefully what we'll be able to do over the course of this show is give you some techniques or talk a little bit about what we do that when that's not happening. Yes. <laughs> Cuz again, you know, it's not a perfect world and these things do happen and I I just wrote a book Last year, that was basically that, where I I was writing it, and I was writing it, and I knew, I know if I feel like I get to a point in a book and things aren't going, and I can't figure out what's going to happen next, even if I have a scene plan and everything, and it doesn't feel right, it's always character for me. It always, always boils down to something about them is either missing or something about them isn't ringing true, and so their character motivations don't make sense. And so when you try, you get up to a big point where you, they have to react to something and that's going to change the course of the book, it all collapses and I kind of get stagnant and that's what happened. And it was not pretty. And I have probably about 20,000 words of that book that I just had to scrap. And that sounds like so much because it is so much. <laughs> um, that, that's
0: what a short story. I mean, ouch! Oh, yeah,
1: it hurts. It's it really, final. really hurts. So um, yeah, hopefully we can we can avoid that. Although obviously that was, I think that was my seventh or eighth book and I'm still doing it occasionally. So obviously it happens.
0: It does. So one of the things that I love to do um, in trying to get to know a character is music. Because uh, I'm a huge music junkie and I love lyrics. I'm not a huge poetry person, but give me lyrics and I'll sit there all day dissecting what they actually mean. And I like finding songs that speak to me on what a character's, you know, maybe their backstory, their childhood, what they're looking for in love, and I could make uh, playlists on Spotify. And sometimes the songs come back off, and sometimes new songs come on, um, but the songs are a huge part of my character building process. Do you have anything like that?
1: Not in that way. For a while, I've I've built playlists, but they're more for mood because I know we've talked about this off the show before. Um, I'm not a huge lyric person to the point that I will not process the lyrics of a song for a very long time and then have like an oh my god that's what that's about <laughs> moment. Um, so for me it's it's more kind of triggering the mood of of the book or the mood of a scene or something like that. Um, I did do some Pinterest board stuff when I was um, for various books. That's, that's helped sometimes although I'm not um, super fixated on like casting a character and saying he looks just like Chris Evans or something like that Um, what has worked for me really well and is I have kind of over the years cobbled together something of a character biography and part of that is for the very practical reason of like I'm notoriously bad and my editor has emailed me several times being like hey you changed this character's eye color midway through Mm. so I I try to make sure I write all those things down. And then what I also do and i found is, is the most helpful thing to try to get me out of the point where I'm kind of just spinning my wheels and I don't know what the next part of the book is, is I go through and I figure out, okay, what's this person's backstory, but not only what's their backstory, what's the emotional wound and what is the, the thing that they need to, to heal. So uh, Michael Haig calls it the identity and the essence and there are all these different terms, but basically um, one is what, what, Where's the character when the book starts? So what kind of what's their baseline, right? So where are they emotionally? Do they think that they're, you know, they're fine because whatever, they've been cheated on in the past and they just have no time for it and they're going to live their independent life. And then you get into the wound. So what's the thing that caused them to think that? And then the identity, if I've got this correct, I'm sorry, and then the essence, or whatever, is basically where they're, so you're gonna go from point A, your baseline, to the next point um, where they start to have these realizations that they're not actually living or, um, you know, acting in the way that's gonna make them actually truly happy. So it's the thing that they need to realize to find their true happiness. In the case of romance novels, to get over themselves and figure out that they actually can be loved and that they are worthy of love and deserving and all of that. So I read a book today that I can't talk about because it's a Rita, bu- Rita book, which is our um, romance novel competition. And this author did a really, really good job of um, identifying exactly what it was and really basing the whole plot of the book on what had hurt these characters in the past, the way that those things kind of locked together. So they had Mm -hmm. complementary hurts, which we may talk about in another episode. And then how ultimately they had to sort of get over that hurdle to get where it was that they needed to be, which is ultimately being able to say, I love you, I love you, we'll be together. So um, for me, if I can get those bits down everything else starts to fall into place because that informs all the decisions they're going to make that informs kind of how they carry themselves in the world it informs their whole character arc and so those are the big picture pieces that i i really need to figure out before i start writing a book
0: so as you were talking it It was so abundantly clear how different our personalities are, because we're doing the exact same thing. And you're talking about like lists and having everything in order and filling in all the blanks, which is so completely you. And I'm sitting here Mm -hmm. thinking like I lay in bed and I listen to music and I wonder all day and then I scribble notes and I draw pictures. (laughs) We're basically going through the same process, but with two totally different methods for two totally different personalities. And I love that.
1: Yeah, and I think that a lot of authors would say that they, you know, unless they're a true pantser where they just go off and they write. I think a lot of people go through a variation of one of these or or another complementary type of character building. Whether I know some people who build, like, 10 page long character biographies Mm -hmm. and they know everything that happened to them in like third grade when somebody was mean to them on the playground all the way through to like what their dream wedding dress looks like I kind of get to a point where I have enough and those those big emotional turning points are are important for me and those and I need to know like who their network of people is so who do they lean on when they're in a time of crisis that's really important especially because I I know if I'm not careful about that I can write characters that kind of live in isolation Mm -hmm. they've got no family they've got no friends, they've got nobody, and that doesn't really work, because they're going to need to have a life outside of their relationship. You know, I don't want to just write about characters who the only thing they think about is the the other person in the book. They should have some other things going on in their life, because we all have other things going on in our lives. So um, once I kind of get enough down, then I start to get the urge to write again, and that's when it gets really exciting. And then I usually... Uh, abandon my, my <laughs> character list <laughs> until I right until I'm in the revision process or until I need I, I'm I writing along and I'm like wait a minute where did they go to university hold on one second and I, I go back and refer to it so
0: yes 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 yeah I those are the things that I like to go through is I love knowing what the, the hurt is in their backstory because that's somebody had everybody has something that has done something to them positive or negative, but let's face it, we like the negative stuff because of the, the tension and the controversy and the drama. It's
1: really good for conflict.
0: It is. Great conflict there. So I need to know what it is that has really framed them and how they view the world. And then I need to know who their family is, whether they have it, has anyone died? Do they have siblings? Did they grow up with a friend? And then I need to know who their friends are because that was one of my first things when I started writing. It was a big It was a big deal at the time. Um, having female characters who didn't have any friends outside of their relationship. So the person who introduced them or the person they talked to about their relationship. And it just really struck me and it stuck in my head as one of those things I need to know before I start writing is who are all of her friends? Not just her friend who introduces her but who does she work with? And do they talk about the hero at all? Um, Or is it strictly a work relationship? And you want to know what all of those things are, because whether or not you end up using the characters in the book, you as the writer need to know what the motivations of the character are going forward. The other thing I really love to do also is the villain.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Who is the villain? And then I want to spend a lot of time getting to know that villain. I want I like to do the hero, the villain is the hero of their own story um, technique, and so. I spend a lot of time with my villains trying to figure out what their hurt is and why they think that they're validated and doing everything that they're doing because once i really know my hero and once i really know my villain then i really understand why these two people are sparring off against each other and why this villain is going to come in and drive a wedge between my hero and heroine and cause all of this bad stuff because i don't want flat characters i always yes. want them to be round characters with lots Of personality and different characters who are influencing them and it is such an easy um, thing to make your main character nice and round but everyone else nice and flat and I feel like you have something that you really want to say
1: no I was (laughs) gonna say I completely agree I think it's always more compelling when you see a villain whether it's in a book or on a TV show or a movie or whatever where you can not necessarily empathize with them but you can understand why they're doing the thing that they're doing. They're not just somebody who's kind of sitting there and stroking their, you know, bond billing cat and cackling in the background <laughs> twirling their mustache. Exactly. there's somebody who has motivations and reasons for doing things even if they're terrible. It's so much more compelling if you as a, car- as, a as a reader and you as a writer know what it is they're doing, why they're doing it, why they think it's right, why their world is, you know, is shaped around that. I, I completely agree. It makes so much sense to build those people up as much as you build up your hero and heroine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I always come back, these are television shows, but I love using television shows as like character studies for my writing. Peaky Blinders and Sons of Anarchy are two great ones because they, are, they should all be bad people. They should all be villains. But oh,
1: they're terrible.
0: But you root for them, and you want them to fall in love and win the day. And so, anytime that I feel like I'm just pulling up blanks and I am beating my head against a wall, those are two series in particular I like to pull up and just binge like ten episodes and be like, "Oh, this is why I love Thomas Shelby so much. How can I do that with one of my characters?" And it's just one of my techniques for kind of unlocking a big block.
1: Yeah, I think it's really smart, and and I also want to bring up, um, another technique that may eat all this all ties into <laughs> all the things we've been talking about, but it's, you know, under another guys, it's called uh, goal motivation conflict, the oh, yeah. GMC mode. So I use it. Um, I used it in the last book that I wrote that I'm currently editing. I have to figure out what I'm editing at what time right now. So currently editing this book and I have so many different characters and there are two different timelines. And I just wanted to figure out, cause something about my villain was feeling very, very flat. And so I was trying to figure out what is it that's not coming through here? And so goal motivation conflict has you set down the goal, which is the thing that the character is trying to work towards. No matter who they are, they could be, you know, a passing secondary character, but they need to have a goal motivation and conflict according to this technique that the motivation is the, um, reason that they're going after the goal. And then the conflict is the thing that's, uh, not necessarily holding them back, but it's the it's the thing that's causing them to uh, to be pulled away from that goal, right? So why why can't they achieve that goal? And then you have to figure out, you know, how do you work past these various barriers? I found it really really helpful to just like you can literally create a little grid that says goal, motivation, conflict, and then go with, um, with your your um, with your characters and set them all out and figure out where they overlap. And that's where you have great conflict between characters. And that's where you get even more good character building going.
0: And you, those are my favorite books when you can tell that they've done that because you want to know everything about all of the characters at the end of the book. You're like, but what happened with Alice and what happened with Joe? And, and you're just sitting there wanting everybody's stories because the author did such a great job giving you a nice round character, even though they were only in it for maybe half a chapter or two chapters, or they only showed up in conversation. But they were so well-rounded and the author did such a good job of making you want to know more about that character that you're sitting there at the end of the book going, you're going to write about all these other characters, right?
1: And that's gold when you can get yes. a reader to sit there and say, but I, when they email you and they're like, can I really know about this character and this character and can you please have them get together that would be really great okay thanks bye and you're like I did not even think about that combination but thank you for writing me and maybe I will because apparently something spoke to whatever it was that person was looking for in your book and that's really powerful
0: yeah that's the best when you're just sitting there doing your job at this point you're like I have to make these characters interesting I have to build them up okay I finished the book and then you get a letter sometimes months or years later, even asking about a character or character combination, you're going, I didn't see that. Oh, okay. Because you're looking at it from a completely different perspective. And now I want to write the book. And you have, yeah, you have the work already done for the most part. So you're thinking, okay, I know who this character is and what their backstory is. I could do this.
1: Well, and that's why when it, it becomes really handy, if you write some of this stuff down or you have pages yes. and you think, oh yeah, I could use that. It's funny because I, I had that actually happen. I have a book coming out as we're recording this tomorrow um, called The Taste of Temptation. And I, ha- I sent it out to some early readers. I'm very excited. I sent it out to, to some early readers and I got two letters within 24 hours of each other saying, can we have the brother and his wife's story because they're kind of, they're at a point in their marriage where, um, when, when we start the book where they are not on the same page and they are not happy. And then they go through some things throughout the book. And I was, I was thinking to myself, I never would have thought anybody, I mean, I know there are other couples in this book that I was intending to get together. I never would have thought anybody would be interested in their backstory. (laughs) Um, but apparently they are, and they would like to see them get to a point where they you know make it all work out and have a happily ever after so there you go you never know Gold.
0: uh so i have a feeling that we have different uh ways of doing this one too but since you just brought it up how do you keep track
1: <laughs> uh <laughs> it's a work in progress i i can i can actually for our show notes um send over a blank template of what i use to um to put together characters and i i It's more extensive than I would probably use for most characters. For my hero and heroine, I do actually use it, just in case that, you know, again, the hair color thing, the eye color thing, Mm -hmm. where I actually swap out, whatever. and Especially when you're writing multiple books in a year and you're editing at different times, and it can be really helpful to just jump in and have a refresher. To be totally honest, I don't have a method. I definitely found myself flipping back through old books being like, what was going on when I wrote this book? Part of the problem also is that, you know, characters evolve and they change as you write, sometimes way more than you ever would have expected. And so if if you're not updating those sheets and everything, mm-hmm. I could be the most person in the world. But if I don't use my own system, it's not great. So so my really honest answer is I don't have a great system right now. It's kind of working enough. But I'd really like a George R, R. Martin-style research assistant yes. who just there and logs... All my, all of my details for all of my books, so I don't have to. Because I just, I'm, I'm not great about it.
0: I actually had a disaster because of that. I had notes. I was doing a really good job keeping notes, but I had forgotten that right before it went to publication, I changed a name, and so. I was writing a book like five books in the series later just referred to my notes real quick da 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 kept on writing and it wasn't until that book was going to publication that I was like oh my god I was flipping through oh, a copy no an actual like recent paperback copy and I was flipping through it and it was that's not the right name
1: <laughs> oh no so, that's the worst feeling in the world cuz your stomach just falls to the floor <sighs>
0: Yeah, so updated notes are super important, especially if you're writing really long series over several years.
1: Well, I was going to say, because you've been writing within the same world ever since I met you. Yes. And we've known each other for almost six years, yes, I think, yeah. five years, five. something Definitely like it. so long that I yeah, so long I can't remember. <laughs> and
0: so <laughs> we've reached that point. And,
1: Yeah, exactly. But you have so many characters whose stories intersect and who, you know, pop up for a moment in somebody else's book in a completely different section of the, you know, a series of of the world. And I I don't know how you do that.
0: (laughs) The one that I'm I'm finishing right now actually intersects a whole bunch of different characters. Because at this point, I have two series that are seven books into their series. And the characters just have started overlapping at this point. And I'm sitting here going, okay, I have to make sure that this character's name is right. And this character's hair color is right. And this, ca- cause they're in other books and I have to make sure of yeah. that. So I'm having, I'm being forced to get my system under control because for me it's mostly notebooks. Like I have mm-hmm. notebooks everywhere. Like my desk has five of them as I'm looking at right now. And generally I keep out, I will stop you. I use small ones um, because I was holding it up for people on the podcast so if you watch the video that's what I was doing I was holding up a notebook
1: <laughs> if you watch the video you not only get us talking you also get all of the ridiculous facial facial expressions we make at each other <laughs> just saying
0: uh, so one of the things I end up doing I've ended up doing is doing smaller notebooks so that I can when I finish a book it just kind of goes on the shelf and I know that purple and gold notebook was the one I was using when I was writing last mm-hmm. fall and I can flip through it um that's but that's good- not a it's not a great system. And so for a little while I was using Scrivener, because Scrivener's awesome for having all kinds of different things to do, but it just never worked for me. So OneNote, Microsoft's OneNote, that has become my gold. For whatever reason, it just clicks with my brain. I'm able to create all of these folders and color tabs, and finally everything is going into it. And I do have an assistant who I use sometimes who pulls things together for me, and she puts it in a Google Doc, and then I pull it into my master OneNote. And so that is the only thing I have going right now. I was,
1: uh, no, I was going to say, I was using Scrivener for marketing stuff, and I switched over to Google Docs, primarily because I'm doing all my day job stuff in Google Docs, and so I think my brain is just working that way right now. And I know that you have an assistant, and so I wanted to be able in the wonderful world where I will one day have an assistant, be able to have that person have access immediately. And I wonder whether that might be a good way of doing it. And just, you know, every series has a folder and it's just all that stuff available. Um, I will admit this is such a bratty thing to say, but I'm kind of really annoyed I don't have a second monitor because it would be so helpful to just have with the laptop and then the second monitor sitting there and be able to you know, toggle back and forth between the two of them and just have the character traits and the timeline. Timeline's another thing I'm really, really bad at, like to the point where I've had copy editors be like is this person 19 or 24? You just make a decision. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I just, they were born and things, I don't know. Please in book tell me. Three,
0: how old do they need to be? So then yeah. we'll, make, we'll backdate them to that age. Can you figure that out? Because I don't know the answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please help. Yes. Um, yeah, so so it would be really helpful to have that set up. So maybe maybe in my new flat. I'll buy myself a second monitor and be really nerdy about it. But no, it's finding a system that works for you and finding a system that you'll go back to an update are two different things <laughs> yes. um, that should be complementary but aren't always.
0: It's hard And as technology changes, it doesn't make it easy because you're like, oh yeah, with the series I use, oh, that software doesn't exist anymore. Crap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that is a really big problem. If you fall in love with a certain type of software and it's a smaller company, and especially if it's an app based company, sometimes your whole system can just go dark overnight because they're like, hey, we no longer have funding and we've been, you know, we're bankrupt. <laughs> so,
0: yes. It's tough. Luckily, the the systems I'm using right now are all bigger companies because we did have that problem, what, three years ago when we were all working on the yeah. anthology together. We were using an app, and it was just like... Spring something. Spring something. And yeah. it, it, it got merged into what was it... Uh,
1: Oh, I don't even remember. It's one of Uh, the big ones
0: that everyone uses, but we were all like, but it's not the same. No,
1: it's not the same. And it can be really tough to kind of divorce yourself from a system that you really love on a technology you really love. So yeah, if if you're going to choose one, choose big. (laughs) And hope they don't fail.
0: Yes, or at least that's... Part of the beauty I love right now is having it all go into Google Drive, and so it's always there in Google Drive. I just happen to like the way it's arranged in OneNote, and so it's just copy-paste, copy-paste, copy-paste for me at the computer to arrange it in the way that I like. But if OneNote were to disappear tomorrow, it would still be in Google Drive. It just wouldn't be pretty the way that I like
1: it. Totally, yeah. So I have this fantasy where one day I'm out of contract by choice. (laughs) <laughs> or between contracts by choice, and I get to sit down with all my books, and I have paper copies of pretty much everything I think, and I get to actually go through and like do a complete character bible, like for my own private use companion book to my own books, and just figure myself out because I've not done that, and it's it really does bother me that I'm just not I'm not making it work. So maybe I'll try your system.
0: <laughs> One of the cool things about having something that's standardized is as you're putting stuff in, you can see where the holes are. So yeah. if you are to have a standardized system at some point and you realize that all of a sudden none of your characters have eye colors or ages or siblings or parents or something, it's it's glaringly obvious because there are holes there where information should be. Or- totally as recently just came to my attention, all of my characters had dead parents all of a sudden, and I was like, that's... Oh my
1: god, me too! <laughs> I realized that too, especially in my historicals, I was going through, I was like, y'all are dead! Like, everybody dead!
0: This is terrible! <laughs> I actually went back and made parents alive, because I was that? just like, what is wrong with me?
1: I have such a lovely relationship with my parents, too. They're wonderful people. I don't know what is going on. Yeah. Maybe it's just more convenient when you don't have to deal with family in, in romance novels sometimes. I think,
0: I think, I for me, I had several really terrible parents and then a couple of lovely parents. And I was just like, God, parents. Let's give them no parents. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, I just liked it and decided to not stop.
1: Well, the funny thing is, I for the historicals, I've, I've written many books about working women and typically if you if you were working and you were of a certain class that meant that your economic support system had gone away right so presumably you weren't married you didn't have a father supporting you you didn't have a brother who was taking responsibility and supporting you so I think that a lot of it is tied up in that but I was writing my contemporary stuff and I was like nobody has living parents (laughs) what is going on
0: Luckily, my hero had lost his father and my heroine had lost both her parents. And so as I am writing a scene, I was like, well, this is, oh, 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 I've been doing this for three straight books. I need to stop.
1: (laughs) Throw a sibling in there. It'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So I fixed it. It's okay. And it's just one of those things now I'm I'm aware of my tendency to make them orphans.
1: Yeah, I think... I think a lot of times it can be really helpful. <laughs> this is terrible, but it can be really really helpful to have your character's emotional wounds, you know, centered around a parent. So a parent leaving a divorce, you know, some sort of, a, you know, abusive or unhappy relationship with their parent. And so it can be very very easy to dump that all on the parents. But at some point, I mean god forbid your readers decide to binge your books, which is a great great thing and we love that. At the same time, it's like Oh,
0: <laughs> you can it's tell like what I was doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's also like somebody going through and reading all your sex scenes back to oh, back. Every God. writer has quirks. Everybody falls back on things over to the point where, like Laura teases me that I always have, always have male characters going down on my female characters, and I'm like, whatever. I just think it. I just think that's great, Laura. It's fun. Yeah, you I read bet. my books back to back to back. You can totally tell.
0: I've been worried about that yeah. lately, and then I just kind of was like, whatever, they're all having a good time.
1: <laughs> yes, that is true. It's fine.
0: <laughs> it is. It's fine. Well, we have already talked for quite a bit, so is there anything else we want to contribute to the character building conversation for today?
1: I don't think so. I'm just, I'm, I now am itching to get in and revise my system yes. and actually use my system correctly. Yes. Maybe that's what I should commit to.
0: Yes. It's like a new year for for systems right now in February. Boom. Love it. Well, then why don't you tell us all about this new release you have happening right this second?
1: Yeah. So it's uh, literally coming out um, very, very soon. It's called uh, The Taste of Temptation. It is a Julia Kelly book, and it's the second in my Matchmaker of Edinburgh series, which is um, all surrounding this very powerful matchmaker in Edinburgh who matches up people who don't think they should like each other. So this is a uh, enemies to lovers book and it's about a notorious spinster who uh, ended up in the newspapers for various reasons and one of the newspaper men who's trying to chase down her side of the story. And lots of sparks fly, and I love it. It's another book I wrote about journalism because apparently I can't stop loving my old industry, so um, I'm really thrilled about it. It should be a lot of fun. And I love the cover for it, too, so um, yes, that's yeah. me.
0: I am, like, coming out of my skin excited. Even though I got sent an early copy, NetGalley and I do not get along, so I have not read this one, and I just oh, decided, I, know that. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to read the book when it comes out like a regular person, and it'll be super fun. I- <laughs> so I'm very excited for this week because ever since I read the first book in the series, which is one of my favorite books that I've ever read, plus it's my friend, so it's even greater. Um, oh, thank you. Ever since then, I've been like, ooh, I want that book. And then I looked at the the blurb for the next book and was like, "Oh, get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very excited to read this book, you guys. Enemies to Lovers is my favorite. So pick it up. I love it so much. <laughs> Yay. And then ask what people- about going on? As for me, I have a book out at the end of the month, on February 27th, you'll get Last Fall, which is the last book in the Wild Pitch series, and it, it comes out on my birthday, so it's gonna be a birthday so celebration this month. So if you wanna check me out does on social it, media.
1: Does this coincide with pitchers and catchers reporting? By any chance? Does <laughs> pitchers it and with...
0: catchers reporting? Yes.
1: Yeah, so the beginning of the the MLB um, uh, preseason is always pitchers and catchers report to, to spring training. <sighs> And so I'm really, really excited because you've you've written more sports books. This yes. is so exciting.
0: Yes. I, it was uh just lucky that it's coming out at the the beginning of baseball craziness and it's my favorite time of year. I love i I'm from Florida. I love spring training. It's it's always a fun time of year. So no, it's uh he's the second baseman. Um, and this is Oh, even I'm, better. I love it. He's one of my favorite heroes I've written in a long time and their story has come together really it's just It's just a really great book. Anyway, so just pick it up at the end of the month. Stop by my social media because I'm giving away all kinds of stuff this month because why not? It's birthday month. (laughs) The best kind of month. Exactly. And so that's our show. We missed Mary Chris, but she'll be back next month in the March episode. And please check us out on YouTube, on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Visit our website, firstdraftwriting.com and sign up for the newsletter. Did I miss anything? (laughs)
1: We also have a Patreon. We would love it if you would um, donate a few dollars a month uh, to keeping the lights on on this show and uh, helping us do things like maintain our website and upgrade equipment, things like that.
0: All right. We'll see you guys in March then. Bye. Bye.